Is it rolling, Bob? Talking Dylan. He's your host, Lucas Hare. He's your host, Kerry Shale. But she's our special guest, singer and songwriter, Piney Gear. And what did you hear, my blue-eyed son? And what did you hear, my darling young one? I heard the sound of a thunder, it roared out a warning. Heard the roar of a wave that could drown the whole world. Heard one person starve, I heard many people laughing. Heard the song of a poet who died in the gutter. Heard the sound of a clown who cried in the alley. And it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. It's a hard, it's a hard rain gonna fall. <sighs> Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting, the, um, your cadences sound uh, authentic American Midwest. Well, that's, I'm from Kansas, so they are. You're, that's even more Midwest than Minnesota. Cause I mean, we're all Midwest. I'm just more South. Yeah. Um, but we're all in the kind of, kind of Bible Belt, I guess. Yeah, that sounded like the hard rain area. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about the Bible Belt. Um, I grew up in a very strict part of the Bible Belt, uh, and I wasn't exposed to any secular music until much later in my teens. And oh. um, so I listened to a lot of church music, Christian music, classical music, and then a few very limited albums were allowed to be played in the car uh, that were secular or, or you know, blurry, blurred lines. Like so, what? Well, like the, the, the more wholesome, less psychedelic parts of Beach Boys uh, were allowed. So was this on cassettes? Or? Yes, cassettes. Uh-huh. Um, and then, yeah, there was a Bob Dylan. It was the Slow Train Coming album was allowed, but caused a little chaos in the car. So actually it wasn't on heavy rotation because um, my mom hated it. And my dad loved it. So they would have um, little rows about it. And I just was confused because I'm like, why? It's music. It's great. Uh, Your mom hated it? My mom hated it. Why did she hate it? it. I think it was more to do with uh, she might have hated my dad. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) They they got divorced. Like, I I don't think that album Uh. is why, but it might have been, you know, a symptom. (laughs) Um, but I do think Bob Dylan can be Marmite for people. Like, oh, God, yeah. I mean, I love him. I think he's a genius, and I think that's why we're here, right? Mm, yeah. But um, a lot of people don't get it, and then they hear someone like Adele do a song by him, and they don't even know it's by mm, him. Like, that's yeah. my favorite song. I'm like, ta-da, that's Bob Dylan. But presumably, <laughs> if you weren't allowed to listen to secular music, yeah. then your parents presumably practiced this as well. And if your dad liked Slow Train Coming, that was an album he liked in isolation. So it's not like he had lots of other Dylan. He was a rock and roller, and then he found God. So, uh, so do you mean an old time rock and roller like Jerry Lee Lewis? No, more sixties. You know, he he went to Vietnam and all that stuff. So that was kind of his era, and you know, we he doesn't talk much about life before finding God. So I I have to speculate on what that was like. So he's still in the uh, oh, he's super arms of Jesus. Yeah, man. Big wow. time. And because, your mom still? No, she's more um, mystical and and into tarot and stars. And oh, that's interesting. She's kind of changed it up since. Huh. Well, you, and you mentioned that these these lines are blurred. And I think you're right. We were talking earlier on about 
you know, for example, Jerry Lee Lewis, when he was recording Great Balls of Fire, yeah. the, in the studio there's this very long argument between him and Sam Phillips about the nature of sin and redemption. And, mm. and Johnny Cash did lots of gospel stuff and things like that. And obviously Elvis Presley. So mm. I'm curious to find out whether you were allowed to listen to any of this music or, or did it just contain too much potential danger? I mean, I remember there was a album burning, a vinyl burning in our church car park. Wow. Like there was seriously wow. like that's devil's music, you know. Yeah. I come from a church with speaking in tongues. I come from a church with fainting and dancing, and it's there's a lot of drama in that. And and so was the fire in the car park, you know, throwing in the the vinyl of like the turtles and stuff. You're like, how is that? <laughs> Satanic, but you know, it made them feel proactive or whatever. So, so that yeah, throws up so many questions. So many. Yeah. But I'm interested, sort of going back to the car, what yeah. else was allowed? I mean, that was all I kind of remember from the secular world. And then it was like Amy Grant, Bannister Brown, Honeydew Evergreen. These are like, uh, are these born again? They're Christian, Christian rock from the like. Early 80s, I guess. And what yeah. was it like? Because I don't think I've ever even heard anything like that. I mean, that. <laughs> it's kind of, it was kind of like hippie music. It wasn't like that different to what was out there. I mean, the lyrics were maybe a bit hokey. You know, it's melodic. It had guitars and What about stuff. Tammy Wynette and George Jones, that sort of thing? Was that was that my allowed? grandparents' house. So I would get a little dose of country at my grandparents. They were old school and into that stuff and into, like, big band. And I went to live with them for a bit. And so it was a bit like going back in time and living in a in a kind of 50s time capsule or something. But would your parents then have been not – would have been opposed to D-I-V-O-R? <laughs> yeah, I suppose they would have been. I mean, it, divorce is a sin in the eyes yeah. of God, I think my dad believes. So, you know, it's kind of a – pretty muddled thing going on there. Um, and that was my first introduction to Bob Dylan. So it was like, huh, why is this guy causing all this chaos in the car? You know, we're just trying to go to church or the grocery store or whatever Well, it's it really apocalyptic as well. I mean, the stuff he's talking about, the slow train coming, it's not it's not harmonious religion. It's, you know, the world is going to end. Yeah. And it's it's frightening as well. well was, is man gave named all the animals on Okay, that? yeah, apart from okay, that. Okay, apart from that. <laughs> but I'm apart from the nursery rhyme. Do you remember anything else about that particular album and that Is there a song time? on there called Precious Angel? Yes. That was yes. my yes. favorite one. I yeah. just felt yeah. like uh, it spoke to me even as a kid. I was, yeah. It felt like my comfortable place. Is that um, the one that goes, can you imagine the darkness that will fall from on high when men will beg God to kill them and they won't be able to die? That, that, that's the lyric that I always remember from Slow Train Coming. It just blows my head off. Yeah. I just mm-hmm. remember that musically it's, it's terrific, isn't oh, it? Oh, God. I, mean, I don't it's think anybody record. agrees that everybody agrees that it was musically mm. a terrific mm. yeah. album. But interesting, his own relationship with faith. Like, I'm yeah. interested in that. Yes, me too. So when did you come Back to Dylan then. Yeah, so it was. that's why I chose to sing that song, Hard Rain's Gonna Fall, because it was when I rediscovered Dylan as a teenager, because um, Edie Brickell did a cover of that for the Born on the Fourth of July soundtrack, mm-hmm. which I never saw that film because I wasn't old enough to see an R-rated movie. But I think mm. a friend of mine had a tape of the soundtrack, and I was like, what is this magical mm. song? And it was... 
again, it was Dylan, and、yeah. I was just okay. I need to know more about this guy, so I got a bit more、um, in tune with it. I'd find his vinyls in charity shops, and、mm. you know, or maybe buy a cassette. From the bargain bin with my babysitting money or whatever, and、mm. and just kind of get into it. And then I have to say, Scorsese's done a lot to kind of put him back in the mainstream because、yeah. I think he's always been mainstream. He's Bob Dylan,、mm. but I think a new generation of fans and followers have、mm. discovered him through those films. I mean,、yeah. No Direction Home, and then recently with Rolling Thunder on、mm. Netflix. So it's been nice to. Have that kind of discovery, not just of his music, but a bit of him, you、mm. know, because、mm. he's such a mystery, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I mean, speaking of the Born Again years, he's never denounced them or said that it was a mistake or that he doesn't believe this or that. He just sort of kept on trucking,、yeah. really, through his various sort of phases. And but I'm, I'm, did, did you? How did you come out of that, or did you come yeah, out? Yeah, I'm. I don't have strong Christian faith now. I don't. I think faith is healthy for people who need it, and that's cool. But、mm. I don't feel like that's for me anymore. And、um, it was a journey of discovering lots of amazing music. Actually, music's been a big conduit for me,、mm. finding myself. And I, I absorbed all these genres and styles and music like a sponge. And I still love all all types of music. And it was just kind of the sophistication of Bob Dylan that appealed to me. His lyrics were so organic and genuine, but had this higher plane to them that、mm. tapped into my psyche.、Um, but I had a lot of guilt attached to, oh, if I listen to this, will I go to hell? You know, and and I it took years for that. To go away, and now I think, no, I'm not going to go to hell for listening to a song that I like.、Mm. So, few comes、uh, clear. <laughs> <laughs> well, again,、yeah. hard rain's going to fall is is kind of quite apocalyptic. I'm so glad、yeah. you mentioned the the Edie Brickell version because、yeah. I remember in about 1990, I don't think I'd heard Bob Dylan sing that. I'd seen a clip of Joan Baez do it on TV, and、mm. I went to see Born on the Fourth of July in the Empire Leicester Square,、hmm. and it was in the days where. They used to play the soundtrack while you were, you know, sitting in there. And I was sitting in the cinema on my own, and they played "Hard Rain's Gonna Fall" by Edie Brickell.、Mm-hmm. And I thought, "This is amazing. What? What is this? I, this sounds a bit like that thing that I saw on TV." And I maybe had a notion of it being a Bob Dylan song, but、mm-hmm. I didn't、uh, have that version until about a year later. Yeah. So hers, her version was my intro to that as well. Yeah. And it's a really good version, I think. You're looking、um, at me, but I've actually never heard. Oh, it. oh it's、wow. really good. It's really good. Yeah. It'll be on our podcast on, on our, our, on our playlist, Spotify playlist. Yeah. But, and so that's early '90s, and you and you. I think you said another thing. You you suddenly you made the switch to secular music in about mm-hmm. 1989. Mm-hmm. So was the hard rain going to fall the, the the way in, or was there something around then before that? There was probably actually Depeche Mode was my <laughs> my way in. I really got into Depeche Mode, and again, babysitting money, bargain bin at the、mm-hmm. record store, and、mm. I would just whatever was on sale and looked kind of cool. I. Try it out, you know,、yeah. and、um, it was Depeche Mode and The Cure I bought、oh, yeah. at the same time. They were my first records, and I I really thought I was going to go to hell listening to that stuff because、wow. it was kind of dark and gothic and a bit, you know, it spoke to my teenage angst and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds healthy. I wouldn't damn you to hell for <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, no, I I think I'm good. Did you hear I Mercy around that time? You that, know, it, I didn't until after my Edie Brickell epiphany, right? Yeah, because that's quite religious,、mm-hmm. although not in an overt way, and that's、yeah. the, around that time, isn't it? Did, did you catch up with the other Born Again 
albums? Well, I mean, I've listened to his back catalog, but because his lyrics, I think, are quite shrouded in, you're, you're like, well, is he singing pro or con about that? So Mm -hmm. I'm like, is that Christian? Isn't that Christian? Is that condoning faith or isn't it? And it's it's almost like it doesn't matter. It's just he's just saying it. And you as the listener can make up your own mind what that means to you. And I think that's pretty cool to just encourage that discussion in a way. I think that's why people feel so intrinsically connected to him because he involves them in the conversation. So that's nice you yeah know? and a special gift like not i can't think of many songwriters that do that no it's also a really healthy way to look at religion this might not work for you and it might yeah you know, but here it is you know like my grandma's super christian and she's so she helps her community she makes quilts for syria she does like all this stuff and you're like well this is making her happy and she's doing good things and what's wrong with that you know yeah you recorded um a version of forever young yeah have you recorded any other Dylan? No, that's the only one. And why that one? And, uh... I just love it. It's so hopeful. It's so poignant. He's done it so many ways. I like, you know, he's done a fast version. He's done yeah. a slow version. I kind of love how that song can twist and still be good. And I just, I, I got a new marimba and I wanted to try it out. <laughs> so I thought that was a good song to do that with. What about any other Dylan songs that you might like to record? Oh, my gosh. I mean, part of me feels like it's a bit of a no-go because he's so perfect that I don't want to, like, I don't know. I want it to stay on a pedestal in a way. But don't you? I mean, I love Dylan. Not all Dylan covers by any means, but there's so many Dylan covers. And certain things, like uh, we were talking earlier about Foot of Pride. Yeah. Very difficult song. Yeah. And I never got... Dylan's version. It wasn't that I didn't like it. It's just like it's so relentless. But then I heard Lou Reed's version. Right. I haven't right. heard the Lou Reed. Oh, it's it's ah. great on that uh, 30th anniversary concert yeah. at Madison Square Garden, and uh, Lou Reed just spits out the words in his Lou Reed sort of yeah. way. For some reason, it seems perfect just as a Lou okay. Reed song. And so that cover version opened it up for me. Which yeah, as the that's the, yeah, did that's for you. true. Mm. I guess it's. I feel like. Am I not worthy? I just feel a bit like it's so special. But maybe you're right. It would be fun to kind of grab something and twist it and see what happens. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. Well, I just, I can never get enough of uh, Bob Dylan covers, except when people actually pay them too much homage and when they're just basically retreads of Well, if you've got to bring something new to the party, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, otherwise, why are you doing it there's he wrote it ain't me babe and there's a really great version of that by billy strange from the it's from the 60s because you know there are like a zillion covers made back then yeah yeah and it's there's no words but the vibe is brilliant and the the lead is played on a twangy gretch and it's i don't know do you know billy strange no i don't know what is is billy strange he's just a twanging gretch guy you know really yeah dwayne eddie did a couple of different songs oh did he yeah yeah twangy wordless you know okay well i I would have to a b that i wonder if you can tell the difference I That's interesting. Yeah. I, I I love um I love instrumentals of of his uh, stuff if they're good mm. because uh, you realize what a fabulous tune smith. Yeah, it's a testament to the melody, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I was listening to, I think Visions of Johanna. There's there's a version on the, uh, the Cutting Edge, mm-hmm. which is kind of like country a country rock version. Every version imaginable on the which, Cutting Edge. Yeah, nice. which I thought was. 
bizarre, but it just, it, you know, there's no end to his versatility. Yeah. It's just sort of, let's change this up completely. Because instead of being sort of claustrophobic, it was just sort of more like a vision. Yeah. To <laughs> yeah, there is really... There's no end to it. Maybe you should do a cover. <laughs> <laughs> that, that wasn't a proper mm. bad Dylan. That wasn't really vision. <laughs> that's that's more. You got to sort of get your diaphragm mm. into the, oh. the terrible. It's your turn, Luke. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not doing any Dylan impressions. Um, have you ever come close to to meeting him or anything like that? Yeah, I saw him once. It's just creepy because I just followed him down the street. Um, I used to have a day job at EMI, and he had left the building, and I was about to leave the building for my lunch break, and I was like, oh, my God, is that who I think it is? Where where was EMI? Um, In West Kensington, kind of. So he's walking down the street, and I was about 10 yards behind him, like, where is he going to (laughs) go? And I was surprised I was the only person following him. (laughs) Well, a lot of people don't recognize him. I mean, well, what was he? Do you he remember what he was wearing? He was wearing black, you know. Yeah. He hood? Looked, Do you have a hood on? He didn't. He had a hoodie, but the hood wasn't up. Oh. And then he had a jacket over it. Yeah. yeah. And he went into Hotel de Chocolate. That's interesting. And I didn't follow him in there. I don't know if he's a real big chocolate fan or if he's <laughs> buying a gift for somebody. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But that's, I mean, that's just stalkery and a bit weird, isn't it? No. No. Well, it would it would be, but we're Bob Dylan fans. Okay, so we you probably would have done, done the same, the same thing. thing. But would you talk to him? <laughs> well, what would you say to him? I no. don't know. I, I would. I, I'd be too scared with Dylan. But I, I, I did go and knock on Leave on Helm's door once. Oh, he's. Seems you know. approachable, though, doesn't yeah. he? But, so we're all stalkers. We're all, we're all fans. Yeah. Yeah. I once read a book about a guy who was um, who was from Louisville. Uh-huh. And he was a big uh, Muhammad Ali fan. Yeah, and he knew where he lived, and he was. He, everybody knew the that the Clay House. Yeah. Um. And then one day he lost his job at the video store, and mm-hmm. I think his wife left him, and he was like, he was in despair, and so he found himself knocking on Muhammad Ali's oh my god mom's door uh-huh. on on Mrs Clay's door. Yeah. And the door opened, and uh, Muhammad Ali w- a- answered the door. Whoa! And invited him in, and he. Was a huge fan, wow. and, and he sat around watching um, videos of old Muhammad Ali fights with Muhammad Ali, and then he Whoa. wrote a book about it, which is how I know yeah. about this. So it it so does sh- sometimes turn out, but that was Muhammad Ali. I was gonna say, should we all was, go knock on Bob's door? <laughs> no, I think we could have knocked on Muhammad Ali's door because he was yeah. kind of like well known as being the sort of spirit who would just yeah. you know bring you into his life. Bob is not yeah. that guy. Bob, I think if yeah. you knock on his door, he wouldn't be home anyway. Exactly. He's no. never home. You'd have to knock on his bus. Yes. I would be amazed you got to his door as well. That, you know, there must be security. Because he's had yes. people in, in the Woodstock days and in the New York days, he's had people uh, turn up at his house. He's had people go through his bins. You know, I would yeah. imagine he protects himself against that quite Yeah, I would have thought. Stringently now. Yeah. What, yeah. with like a pack of dogs or something? Well, yes, well, he does know. He does like his big dogs. <clears throat> does he? Oh, did you know that? I, I didn't, didn't know, know that. This, no. Oh, God, yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, no, we do know about his big slobbery dog from oh, the yes. David Hepworth thing. Yes, yes, but yes. I do know that, I mean, you you can hear one of his dogs, what you must know with a track. There's a song you can Every hear. Every Grain of Sand. Every Grain of Sand. But he's he likes his big old Great Dane slobbery killer dog. sweet. Well, yeah, but they're as big as horses, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm a dog person. So. I mean, I love dogs. Sure, yeah. I love dogs. But I just I saying, guess if they're trained to attack you, that's different. Yeah. yeah, I was reading. I think in Robbie Robertson's book, which you lent me recently, that he 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 had a dog called Hamlet when they were doing the basement tapes, um, who was a crossbreed poodle, I think, and gave the dog to Rick Danko. 
I think, um, because Rick Danko convinced him that he'd be a much better owner for, for this dog. And I thought, yeah. well, that's that's you know that's interesting. But then in the next chapter, he was still talking about the basement tapes, and he described Bob Dylan's dog. So he obviously went out and got himself a new one straight away. Or he reneged. Yeah, yes. maybe. No, but no, but I think no, but I think dog. he's had a series of dogs. Yeah, it's yeah. weird because I always think about you know the the cat on the cover of Bringing It All Back mm-hmm. Home, yeah. which some people have said was Bob Dylan's cat, and I thought I don't believe that because I don't believe Bob Dylan has cats. He's not a cat person. He's not a cat he? person, and it turned out it was Albert Grossman's mm. cat. In fact, it was a kitten. But the Aww. weird thing and Albert ab- wife. about yes, mm-hmm. uh, but the weird thing about Bob Dylan like. It's hard to hold cats. I've got cats. Mm. I, I'm a cat person. Mm-hmm. And even though I'm a cat person, it's hard for me to hold my own cats they in front of a camera. Yeah. And yet that cat is like hypnotized. Mm. You know, there's something, to me, this is another Bob Dylan theory I've got, but there's something about <laughs> Bob Dylan's hands on you, on a cat, and the cat just goes, I'm not moving. I'm not moving. <laughs> no, but it's, a, it, you know, I don't know how many pictures they have, but it's a perfect, yeah. it's, it's almost impossibly perfect. It looks like it is Bob Dylan's cat, yeah. even though I think, you know, Bob Dylan doesn't give a shit about cats. and <laughs> yeah, the, the magic touch with, with animals or something. I think he, yes, I think he sort of had the magic touch full stop period. I just, yeah. I think people were mesmerized by him. And that's why people were climbing on his roof trying to get in and find the answer of, mm. of life. But just listen to his songs. It's it's all there. There's maybe two different kinds of people. People who really want and believe there is an answer. Yeah. uh, And and people who think it's okay that there isn't an answer. I think the answer is there is no answer. Well, exactly. Isn't that what his songs say? That's what his songs say. say. And that's what most, you know, I mean, did did you ever see the the, the, uh, thing that they got on film where this guy comes to John Lennon's? Uh, mansion back okay. in the day, back when he's, he's oh, just I with have the seen that. Yeah, the guy, the guy with PTSD, the the the, the guy, the long haired oh, guy. I didn't know he had PTSD. Yeah, I mean, no, it's, the, it, that wasn't invented back then. Well, no, it was called shell shock then, but wasn't it? But, was he? I, I think he's a veteran, and I think he's homeless. I'm not sure, but, and the, but yeah. he turns up at Tittenhurst, and, yeah. and you know, Lemon gives him some food and stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. but they can't. They happen to be filming whatever. It was around the time they were doing Imagine. Yeah, I think. and I think Yoko told Phil Spector what to do in that documentary at one point. But anyway, it was <laughs> wow. She's tough. Lived. She's wow. tough. I love her, have... but it was funny. She's like, no, it should be like this. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's funny. But... <laughs> Bless yeah. her. Bless yeah. her. Yeah, and he's now in jail for uh-huh. murdering a woman. Hmm. But um, well, yeah. She got away with it. She got away with it. Mm-hmm. But I thought that that was particular. The, the thing in that guy's eyes was... You said the answer. You said the answer in. He just wanted to confirm that the answer yeah. was in whatever song it yeah. was. And then, then um, Lennon says, "No, I didn't, man. Uh-huh. I don't know the answer. Yeah. I'm yeah. just trying to get by here, have a cup of tea." And then they also just trying to pin all your hopes onto somebody else's vision. It's mm. like, well, that's a kind of religion, isn't it? Is there a religion for Bob? Well, there is. I think yeah. people mm-hmm. worship. Yeah, I mean, it's it must be very odd because I mean, like you said, you listen to Slow Train Coming. If if you if you sort of thought, well, this is the guy I'm going to follow. This is the music I'm into now. You must have been confused within a couple of years because he changed mm-hmm. again. Um, I mean, what was the as I say? So Slow Train Coming was a really important album for you. But yeah. did you did you listen to Saved? Did you stick around for Shot of Love? No. So I that was like one album, and then I just got rediscovered in my teens, and then I subsequently have gone back and listened to like basement tapes gotcha. and subterranean and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. And so I'm still learning, mm. but um I love everything I've heard to a yeah. point where I just I I'm almost a 
part of that cult, you know. I think he's kind of magic with yeah. his lyrics and also his persona and the way he conducts himself mm. on stage and in interviews and stuff. I like that he's playful. Mm. And I think a lot of people think, oh, he's so serious. He's always, you know, stern. And it's like, well, maybe that's playful. Maybe he's messing with you a little bit yeah. and i think he i think he's fun and a little nymph-like sometimes and there was well this applies to the clip we were watching today um in 1999 he did a he was invited to take part in a johnny cash tribute album and uh-huh. he was on the road because he always is yeah so he did train of love uh either at a gig or at a sound check f- from his tour and to listen to is, is is one thing, but to watch him doing it, he is playful. He's almost sort of dancing around, yeah. he's smiling, and he looks like he's just having the best time. Yeah. And there is this playful side to him, even... Oh, yeah. I mean, all of Love and Theft. I was rereading, is it The Dylanologist? There's mm. this book about mm. uh, people who are obsessed with Dylan. And there's uh, quite a... There's a whole chapter on Love and Theft. Mm. And how Love and Theft... Yes, he he collated it from pre-existing uh, books and and people said, oh, Bob Dylan is stealing stuff, but he wasn't. He called the album "Love and Theft," yeah, and he was he was playing. I yeah. think he was. That was all. Part, that whole album was kind of like a wonderful put on. Yeah. Well, allegedly as well as I've since read, there's a series of detailed clues in that that ties it to um, a Grateful Dead album. Really, um, Working really? Man's Dead. Yeah, apparently. Huh. That, that's there's a song on there called Uncle John's Band. Yeah, I believe so. And well, on, on the Grateful Dead. Yeah, you? and on and Tweedledum and Tweedledee, which is the first track on Love and Theft, is note perfect, the same as pretty much uh, a song called, by Johnny and Jack called Uncle John's oh, yeah, Bongos. You've played with ah. that. Yeah, Uncle John's Bongos. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think, but, but, but the thing I was reading online said that the whole album is a kind of series of embedded clues, mm. and ra- you know, far from saying, um, "Oh well, you got me. I yeah. stole it all." Yeah. It's a series of clues for people to find out, like a sort of treasure hunt. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That, you know that book, uh, "Why Dylan Matters." Yeah. Um, that was written by this Harvard academic, and uh, and he said that there, there's tons of stuff in Dylan's songs about yeah. uh, Roman and Greek antiquity, which I had right. no idea. Mm. But he points them all out. And he's not just being academic. He, he, it's it's just very, very clear. And he talks about a press conference that he gave in Rome, uh-huh. where he was trying to clue the reporters into all the references to Rome mm. and Roman civilization in his various albums. But they didn't want to they didn't understand what he was doing. You know, right. he would say, I love Rome. It's one of my favorite cities. And he was sort of saying, <laughs> basically, ask me about Rome. Yeah. But they would say, so why do you always wear sunglasses indoors? Um, you know, they, they, yeah. they, and he's always, he, he's, he's more accessible than you think. It's yeah. just like the door sometimes to the accessibility is things like journalists who don't mm-hmm. actually want to hear what he's saying. Right. I think, you know, I think he's actually, if you, if you ask the right questions. Yeah. You know, he'll give mm-hmm. you better answers. Mm-hmm. But the devil's in the detail, and he'll give you the detail, and if you don't grab it, then you lose. That's right. He doesn't yeah. talk like mm-hmm. normal people. No. He, as you say, he'll just say something, and if you don't get it, he's certainly not going to... He's not waiting for he's you. He's not waiting yeah. for you. <laughs> that, train, that train has, yeah. has left. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember you You uh, told me that you'd worked with Garth Hudson, just speaking of yeah. basement tapes. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm... Obviously, a big band fan. Everyone I know loves the band, yeah. and they've formed a lot of um, fans that have gone on to form bands. You know, it's like they've they've begat so much great music. Mm. And um, Garth came over and played the Truck Festival, and it got 
flooded. So the the gig happened at Oxford Brooks University, and then they rescheduled the truck festival mm. for September, and then he did a few shows at the Hundred Club. So I had the privilege of singing with him uh, and Maud, his wife at the mm. time, and um, it was pretty cool to just be in the presence of greatness. I mean, he's a legend. Mm. I don't even know how he plays keys like he plays keys. No, really. He like bends sounds that shouldn't be bent. I don't know how mm. he does it. It's magic. Um, so it was kind of just a privilege to get to do that. Do you remember what you sang? Um, well, we sang a lot of the weight and, you know, a lot mm. of the kind of hits. Wow. Um, it was pretty cool. And then I got to support him at the 100 Club as Piney. So that was a great opportunity for me, too, to I, get, kind of tap into that fan base and share a stage with him. So yeah. lucky me. That's lucky all I you. can say. Yeah. No, I love the band as well. And I, I, it's it's kind of sad now that really the only two survivors are Robbie Robertson and Garth Hudson. And, and Garth's well, such a recluse Yeah, he just he's not a chatty man, is yeah, he? Yeah, I know? mean, Matt... Um, Maud was kind of his. Um, you could you could email her and she'd email you back. Really, and that she is quite active on social media and mm. stuff. But they've split, and now mm. there's oh, no man. way to get hold of him. Because <sighs> I was in upstate New York like last year, and I thought, oh, I wonder can I see him? You know, mm. I'm not far. He'll remember me. Yeah. and I couldn't figure out how to get hold of him. Barring going to his town and literally stalking him, no. which maybe I'll do next Well, time. I did that with Ingram Hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, if you know where he lives. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I would love to hear what he's got to say because, I mean, he's, first of all, I love the band as well. Yeah. But also he'd been, he'd been playing with Dylan since 1966, yeah. you know, he was on that tour and everything. And he's such a sweet, you know, shy guy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Was pretty cool. so gifted. Was yeah. it the, the making of the uh, second album that you uh, gave me the the DVD of. Oh, yeah. Was it on that one where they, they, they were still all alive and so they mm. were all interviewed, but I don't know if you've ever seen it. I think it was in that one. Mm. Garth never spoke. He just played the organ. He yeah. just sort of go, yeah. well, uh, I think... Uh, and then <laughs> yeah. he just yeah. like, played the organ. That's kind of what he's like in real life. Yeah. He does, he's a man of few words, but he's it's in the eyes and he'll give you a smile and, you know, say that, mumble something at you, you know, and it's it's special. Yeah. 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 I hope he has many more years with Me us. too, me too. Um, I, I, I feel about the members of the band in a way that I, I really only feel about friends and family. I feel yeah. very sort of emotionally close to the people and the music. And, and it's so sad what happened to many of those mm. members, you know, particularly the three singers. Yeah, there's a lot of damage there. Yeah, it's a lot sad. of damage. Yeah. And I guess a lot of rock and rollers from that era had some similar damage and mm. maybe that's a result of circumstances of that time. I don't yeah. know. The greatest gig I ever saw was was in the early 90s. I saw Rick Danko at the borderline. Oh, wow. Um, just him. Amazing. And That's uh, enough. Uh, <laughs> when you say just him, did he play solo? He played solo, yeah. He had one guy who came, maybe played a, a bit of guitar for a couple mm. of songs, but he basically did it solo and I was as close to him as I could get and it was a small venue anyway. Yeah. And, you know, to watch... A man like that sing a song like Acadian Driftwood, which has three vocal parts and multi instruments, just knock it out on one guitar, mm. with a, with no effort whatsoever. He would he was a bit of bass line there, bit of lead there, bit of, and he somehow seemed to embody the all three singers in that in that song. <laughs> uh, it was just remarkable, That's amazing, absolutely remarkable, yeah. So, as far as your Bob fandom, does it ex- mm. uh, extend to reading 
books about him? I haven't read any, so tell no, me, what should I read? Wow. Well, do you want to know about his life, or do you want to read people well, theorizing read about his Have you read work? Chronicles? Oh, yeah, that's Is that the one I should read oh, first? You know, well, his, his, that's his so-called memoir. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's like a big old Bob Dylan song. Great. It's very mysterious. Okay. Although, weirdly, it seems to be much less mysterious. In other words... Mm. You could read it. The first time I read it, mm. I took it very seriously. That is to say, I thought it was all true. Ah. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. he writes extremely well. Of and course, then, yeah. Uh, as the years go on, you realize that he's basically made it all up. It's fiction? It's it, it's what? based on fact. Nobody knows. Uh-huh. Nobody knows. I mean, there's the character. Who's the character that he meets? He meets this character out in the Louisiana bayou called Moon Pie or something. Mm-hmm. What's, what's his I can't name? Remember. This, this really old guy who runs a probably fictional store in the middle of the, of what seems to be like the Everglades, even yeah. though it's outside of it's in Louisiana. Yeah. And there's there's this weird store that there, there's a, a mugs that say world great world's greatest grandfather, uh-huh. and, and then but they're curing meat in the back. Uh-huh. I can't. It's you can almost sort of smell it, and it's uh, and he he's got a his wife has been on the back of his motorcycle, okay. and she's uh, except. There's no evidence that any of that no. happened. It was supposed to be in the in the midst of the uh, recording of uh, of Oh Mercy, mm-hmm. uh, but and then there's the first section that's in uh, that's in New York in the mm-hmm. villagey days. But it, it, he's got these mentors, and he he stays with this couple, yeah. and the most wonderful couple in wow. the world. And they've got all these albums, but there's no evidence this couple ever right. existed. But well, they I don't might want to spoil done, it for you, right? Well, people now have looked. Into and think it, they don't. No, it doesn't matter. But it's a great piece it? of writing. No, no it, if of they course exist it or doesn't. Not. As a matter of fact, I've read it a couple times, yeah. and I want to read it again because it's yeah. just like a great song. It's like That's one of his great. Cool. It's like, also like like his paintings and like his songs. Yeah. There, there are whole phrases lifted from other pre-existing works. Oh, amazing! You know, yes, which, which only came out years later again. That. And yeah. and yeah. also, I mean, if you, there's there's reading it, but if you if you like audio books, the audio book yeah. um, of Chronicles read by Sean Penn is a treat. Oh right, that sounds That's cool. That sounds really good. Because I'm on tour a lot, and I get a mm. bit carsick when I read. An right. audio book is the way forward for me. Yeah, well, his is the right voice for that, nice. that story, that's for sure. Excellent. Yeah. What would you recommend? I, I love things like, you know, I love Griel Marcus's writing. I love Michael Gray's writing. But it's it's not entry-level reading about Bob Dylan. But, I mean, having said that, if you like the basement tapes, mm. Griel Marcus wrote a book called Invisible Republic, okay. which kind of explores the notion that the basement tapes created a world. I think it did. Um, and that, and it's very brave and stylized writing, uh-huh. and that, it's wonderful. Yeah. And it can really, if you're getting sort of basement tapes obsessed, it's a great book to read. Cool. Um, I'd Thanks. recommend that. I went to his art exhibition that was, what, last year? At the Halcyon? Yeah, it was mm-hmm. really good. Did yeah, you go? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It really captured what it feels like to be on tour, I thought. Oh, that's could, interesting. Yeah, it felt like, oh, this is like, he's looking out the back of his hotel. Like, that's kind of, mm. that petrol station, he's probably sat in the bus drawing mm. that. You know, it was kind of, um, it took me back to being away. Mm. And I liked that. Yeah. I thought it was pretty bang on. And you said you love the you sort of instantly love the basement tapes. Yeah. Oh and my so god. How did you sort of relate to the basement tapes? I mean, what did it's that funny bring because back for it you? sort of sounded a little like hoot nanny music from the Bible Belt, but oh, obviously yeah. it's upstate New York, you know, Canadians well, Canadian, and stuff. Exactly. And so, but you know, with Levon being from the South, mm. but um, it it just instantly spoke to my soul. You know, yeah. it's I think any music from the heart 
speaks to the heart, you know, it connected straight away for me. And there's Johnny Cash covers in there and Ian yeah. and Sylvia covers and, and mm. various sort of there's lexicon of kind of country and folk roots in there. As well. I'm always amazed the size of Dylan's brain. Oh my it God. It contains so much. And if, and it sounds mundane, but if only just the lyrics to not just his songs, but you know, but doom, he just does a yeah. whatever Hank Williams, Jerry Lee, all, yeah, all yeah. It just it's just yeah. enormous. Well, and I heard him say in an interview that he can hear a song once or twice, and he's it's in there, it's in the yeah. vault. And you're like, wow, I had to just read those lyrics off my phone when I sang them earlier because yeah. I couldn't remember them. Um, so he's a legend. I don't know how his brain fits inside his skull. To be honest, he's it's infinite, isn't it? Is it Rolling Bob talking Dylan? is recorded in the Sick Mule Suite at Lip Sync Studios. Engineered by Mark Langley-Smith and produced by Robin Guys. We're on Twitter at IsItRollingPod. Music is by Sam Hare. All my loyal and much-loved companions, they approve of me and share my code. I practice a faith that's been long abandoned. Ain't no altars on this long and lonesome road. <laughs>